Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Ladies and gentlemen, Assalamu alaikum and welcome to another episode of On the Radar presented by Pakistan Geostrategic Review in association with the Islamabad based Center for Strategic and Contemporary Research, CSCR. This is Zaki Khalid. And this is Tanak Brahim. And today we have a special guest with us. He is a young analyst working for a prominent think tank in Islamabad. Muhammad Taimur Khan is a research associate at the Institute of Strategic Studies, Islamabad, the ISSI. He is an alumnus of the National Defense University, Islamabad, and has been affiliated with this institute since 2016. His research focuses on Russia and its neighborhood security and foreign policy. Recently, Temur wrote a very thought-provoking article for CSCR examining the Katsa sanctions that were imposed on Turkey's procurement of S-400 missile defense systems from Russia. And Temur presented a South Asian, but particularly a Pakistani perspective on how this, uh, these sanctions and this U.S. outburst against Turkey could impact Pakistan's own defense and national security interests. So without further ado, here's welcoming Temur to the program. Assalamu alaikum, Temur. Uh, and thank you for having me. Uh, we hope you're doing fine, um, Temur. So, can you, before we proceed with the formal questions, can you please uh, let us know that what prompted a very brief uh, overview of what prompted you to write on this particular topic? Uh, well, uh, as you mentioned in my uh, introduction, that I've been working on Russia and its neighborhood. So when uh, U.S. imposed Katsa restrictions on Turkey uh, regarding the S4, regarding the procurement of uh, the S-400 air defense systems from Russia. Uh, I came across uh, this interview by one of uh, our former military generals who said that uh, these sanctions have far-reaching consequences for other countries, particularly the South Asian countries. So I talked to some of my friends in the were serving in the military and I asked them that if these sanctions have any implications for Pakistan and I found out that yes uh, those implications those sanctions they do have serious implications for our defense projects that we have been undertaking with Turkey so that is why I decided to uh, come up with this article interesting and uh, I think I'll begin with the uh, first question which I've been meaning to ask you and uh, this particularly concerns the actual procurement of S-400 itself. Uh, Russian-made S-300 systems, the S-300 was a predecessor to S-400 and it came out in the 70s. So the S-300 systems uh, are already being used by several NATO member countries such as Bulgaria, Greece and Slovakia. Uh, moreover, in November 2020, very recently, just a few months ago, Greece, which is known as uh, a geopolitical competitor of Turkey in the Mediterranean, it tested S-300 systems during drills at Crete. Um, and interestingly enough, the US, Germany and Netherlands also participated in those drills. And they sent a very wrong message to Turkey in the Eastern Mediterranean that there was a, perhaps some US tacit support for Greece Ironically, though, uh, the same S-300 systems are Russian-made, but apparently there was no problem with Greece uh, exercising with them. So in this context, what in your view could be the rationale for Washington's extraordinary outburst against Ankara alone? 
how do you explain that um zaki bhai in my opinion i think uh, such seriousness from the us side especially with regards to turkey is because the s400 system is way more advanced uh, as compared to the previous model of s300 system that were, have been tested by greece already uh the main uh, point of contention that have been raised by the united states of america is that uh, the s400 system does not go with the military architecture of nato although turkey has made it clear that it will never make it a part of the nato military structure but still it does make the us very uncomfortable that turkey is in possession of such state of the art military equipment uh plus uh, the americans also say that uh, their latest stealth fighter f35 is also extremely vulnerable against the defenses that are being offered by the s400 system so uh the, these two reasons i think that prompted such a strong response from the americans when the turkish acquired the s400 system from russia but um just just let me ask a quick uh, add on to this uh, question which i just asked you i agree with you and you are correct in mentioning that the s400 is uh, way more advanced and it has uh, capabilities which are not present in the s300 but at the gist of it is the fact that both are russian origin and again um, it gives that sort of a uh, that sends out a message that uh, the problem isn't with uh, the platform being uh, russian origin and being interoperable with the russian forces that might be in the area but the issue is that there there is some sort of a doubt on turkey's own military uh, posture which uh, perhaps they fear it could be used against the us one day is is that what you believe could be at the core uh, definitely zaki bhai because uh, there are multiple factors that you know has uh, added to such a very uh, such a strong response from the us first uh, there was a syrian point because there have been convergence of interest between turkey and russia as of late which has Indeed. made us extremely uncomfortable when it comes to syria uh, uh apart from that the things that unfolded during the nagorno karabakh conflict russia and turkey they along with uh, several other countries they banded together and they made sure that azerbaijan came out as a victor so uh, even though uh, united states was a part of that minx group but still russia and turkey came out to be the stronger parties uh, and overtook the entire issue that unfolded during in the uh, south caucasus so yes there are multiple political strategic and tactical factors that do add up to america's strong response against turkey's acquisition of s400 system from russia uh since uh, uh, you have mentioned in your piece uh, about uh, how uh india uh, will be given a waiver from the us authorities uh with regards to the cutsa section so uh, cutsa sanctions so uh do you really think that from a technical point of view the legal point of view the existing waiver eligibility under cutsa is wide enough to be applicable on india uh Mr. Tala, I don't think so that uh, US cares about the technicality or other such moralistic uh, factors, if I may, when it comes to its economic and strategic interests. Uh, US has, you know, been making several concessions 
with regards to India in the past. And I don't think so that uh, over such a small acquisition of weapons, which does not directly threaten the U.S. strategic or military or any sort of other interests, even in the region or uh, extra regionally. So I don't think so that U.S. Uh, will have any problems in handing over a waiver to India as far as the acquisition of S-400 system is concerned. Plus, as I mentioned in my article, that uh, India plans on spending more than $130 billion on its military modernization in the next few years. And uh, it has, as per the Indian Defense Minister, they plan on giving majority of that $130 billion business to U.S. private companies. So there are serious economic interests that are going in favor of the United States of America. So due to which I think that, yes, uh, there is a there is a big probability that India might get a waiver in this regard. But that perspective, uh, uh, the, the perspective of uh, this uh, military uh, uh, military relevant uh, procurements uh, that India may do from the US, that is one, uh, one, one significant aspect. And, and I do get it. But do you think that uh, the sections pertaining to specifically pertaining to section 231 and section 235 that have been debated on with regards to uh, the waiver that can be uh, the waiver that can be uh, given by the US president uh, do you think that India uh, somehow falls uh, under uh, the, the the legalities that have been mentioned under 231 uh, well, and 235 I think if America really wants to give us waiver sanction waiver to the uh, to India, they will always come up with some sort of a legal mechanism to make that work. Uh, especially now that India is part of the larger um, US strategy of China containment in the Indo-Pacific or Asia-Pacific, if I may. Uh, I think that uh, the US just cannot afford to you know, antagonize or lose India over such a small procurement of uh, $5 billion. I don't think so that uh, it can be a big problem for the United States in coming up with a legal mechanism or a loophole in that in those uh, sanction regimes to uh, help India out. So um, my next question for you, Temur, is that in your article, you very rightly mentioned that uh, as far as Pakistan is concerned, uh, there should be greater reliance on indigenous defense technology production and uh, Obviously, the procurement of uh, U.S. manufactured engines for T-129 attack helicopters made by Turkey and ADA-class corvettes for the Pakistan Navy, uh, which also have U.S. engines. So both of these uh, could be impacted. And uh, in the short term, you've recommended that there should be a search for alternate vendors. So here's a counter question to this particular suggestion. So keeping the Afghan peace process in perspective, do you think that Pakistan could perhaps use some sort of a political leverage to gain concessions from the U.S. for its ongoing projects in Turkey? Uh, of course we can, because uh, whether we like to accept it or acknowledge it or not, uh, Pakistan has been doing this in the past as well. Uh, we have been getting military aid and military equipment and we have been getting concessions uh you know by exchanging uh favors because of the contemporary political situation at that time say in the 50s then 
then again in the 70s, then again during the 80s. And now again, I think we can definitely leverage our political contemporary uh, situation in the region and get some extra favors from the United States of America to give us some breathing space and Turkey some breathing space so that we can continue uh, in this defense sector cooperation with each other. So uh, yes, our policymakers and our decision makers, especially our diplomats, they need to work to this end in order to creating a favorable environment where Pakistan can properly leverage the current political situation in the region and getting some favors from the Americans, especially vis-a-vis -vis our defense projects with Turkey. So just to ask you, if we subtract that whole Afghan conundrum going on, would there be any other possibility for Pakistan to try and lobby for uh, uh, an exception with the US or this could be the only uh, incident that would come to mind at all? Uh, well, uh, Zagibai, if uh, I be honest, I think that uh, there are only two things uh, that really makes Pakistan uh, relevant for the United States of America. Uh, one, Afghanistan, and two, uh, the issue of extremism and terrorism. So uh, we, Pakistan is already, you know, facing the music as far as uh, the issue of uh, radicalization and extremism is concerned. And the only thing that is keeping us extremely relevant with the United States of America is the Afghan peace process. So Indeed. if we remove these two things, uh, and the third one, if one can really, you know, stretch the boundaries for that uh, point, then it can be our alignment with the Chinese. So uh, if we remove these two main factors of uh, extremism and terrorism plus uh, the Afghan peace process, I don't think so. There's much that Pakistan can, you know, uh, dig into so that it can make itself more relevant and more, uh, you know, adjustable with the United States interest in the region. Such a harsh reality check given that we have been cut off from the climate summit that is happening. Indeed, I was just going to mention that. So that just uh, lets you know that if you are not even considered in the climate aspect, then um, I think uh, we, uh, my point in asking Temur was that uh, would it be a long shot? And I think he has explained it uh, quite uh, interestingly. And so uh, Temur, and would you, do you have something to add on this? Uh, yes, uh, because uh, this morning I was extremely disappointed that uh, Pakistan's Leader, Pakistani leadership and our policymakers, especially our foreign minister, we have really been stressing on the point that Pakistan does want to change the topics of conversation with the entire world, especially the United States of America. And climate was one of the major points that our prime minister was especially spearheading so that we can start on a positive, positive note with the world in order to engage with them. Exactly. And uh, I was surprised to see several countries that are, you know, that were not supposed to be in that list in the first place, but I found them there this morning and Pakistan was not. So it was extremely disappointing, but let's see how this turns out. Indeed. And uh, before we conclude, I'd like to inform the audience that in case some of you have not come across Temur's article, you can find uh, the link to it on CRCR's website in the YouTube description of this particular video, or you can also visit the CRCR website uh, to see Temur's article. It makes for a very interesting reading. Temur, thank you very much for your time and we wish you the best and we look forward to having you in future episodes as well. Thank, thank you, you Zakiwai, and thank you Talawai for having me and inshallah, definitely looking forward to it. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum assalam.